0: Yes, that's right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here today for a 12 questions version of the podcast with the mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe. Very happy that uh, Hinch and his PR team decided to accept my request, Indy 500 Week, to talk about the 12 questions. Actually, his second 12 questions interview, I believe we did another one in 2012. So he's actually, I think, the only IndyCar driver I've ever done the 12 questions with, but he did such a good job the first time. I decided to uh, give it another try, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy what he had to say. So I'm here with James Hinchcliffe, and uh, the first question, James, is how much of your success is based on your natural ability, and how much has come from
1: working at it? I would say fifty-fifty. I'm uh, I'm definitely not one of those like insanely naturally talented people. But let's put it this way: my first go-kart race was horrendous. Like I, you didn't put me in a go-kart, and I just was like instantly fast. I had to work at it. I had to figure out how to be fast. I think everybody, if you're at this level, you have a certain degree of natural talent, sure. But uh, but no doubt I had to work pretty hard to uh, to f- kind of figure out how to do this well.
0: What what happened in the first go kart race?
1: Oh, I mean I was I was la- I got lapped like I think on the third lap of the race and it was pretty horrendous. I think by my fourth go kart race when I was still being lapped, uh, my dad was like, "If this isn't fun for you anymore, we can stop." I'm like, "No no, I'm determined to figure out how to go quickly here." Okay. So. Um- what what would be your pitch
0: for people to become fans of yours? The the NASCAR version of this question is: there's a bunch of dudes retiring, you know. How
1: do you get those fans? But just in general, what, what's your pitch for people to become your fan? Oh man, uh, I guess you know, like attracts like. I'm a fan of this sport. You know, I've been on the other side of the fence. I've been the kid with a sharpie and a hero card, and you know, I I try and relate to fans like that as a fan because even though I'm on the other side of the fence now, I'm still a I'm still a diehard fan of racing and. Uh, I try and, you know, exude that and show that to my fans and show them the appreciation that we have for them and supporting us. What is the hardest part of your job away from the racetrack? The ha- probably the travel. Just, like, the amount of time that you're away from home, uh, away from family, amount of time you spend in airports and hotels and rental cars and lines on buses going to rental car, <laughs> you know, centers. It's uh, it's one of those things. People think travel is very glamorous, and it can be sometimes, but... Um, that's that's probably the, the the biggest drain on you and probably one of the hardest parts. Do do most of the drivers not have jets in IndyCar? No, we're not quite rocking on the jet level. There's a there's a couple floating around out there, but that's not a that's not a typical way of travel for an IndyCar driver. Okay, that's that's very different. Uh, what I've, I've been uh, used
0: cool to. Street. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's say a fan spots you eating dinner um, in a nice restaurant. Should they come over and ask for an autograph or no?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, as long as as long as they are polite about it, I think manners are important no matter what the scenario is, but um, I understand and accept that part of my job is, you know, being a quote unquote public figure and that's that's one of the you know, that's one of the sides of it is people are gonna recognize you and like I said, I like connecting with fans, so if they see me at a restaurant and they want a picture, sure, just come up and ask.
0: All right. What's a story in IndyCar that doesn't get enough coverage? A
1: story in IndyCar that doesn't get enough coverage. I don't know. I mean, I feel like with the, uh, you know, the emergence of social media, even the smallest stories get uh, get broadcast out there one way or another. But I don't think I don't think we talk enough about how Scott Dixon's the greatest IndyCar driver alive and maybe of all time. When it all comes down to it, no one's going to talk about it yet because he's still driving. And there's still guys like, you know, Mario and AJ walk around the paddock. And so no one's going to say that when they're still around. But 20, 30 years from now, hopefully AJ and Mario are still around. But if they're not, you know, uh, when Scott's retired, hopefully he's retired by then. But that guy could probably race until he's like 70 and still win. I think you're going to see a lot of guys start talking about him in 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 that way. Because guys like Mario and guys like Michael will, you know, tell you that back in their day, it was different because the disparity between the good teams and the bad teams was much bigger. You know, you had to have the right chassis, you had to have the right engine, the right tires, and you were racing against four or five other really good guys. Now we have 15 guys that can win races in any given weekend from any team. And to be as consistently dominant and upfront as a guy like Scott has uh, for the last, you know, 15 years, I think it's a pretty remarkable feat. And I think even, you know, guys like Mario would uh, would appreciate that. Very interesting. Who was the last driver you texted? maybe connor uh alex rossi he was the last driver i texted okay
0: do you are you a frequent texter with other drivers
1: yes yeah actually i was texting also uh scott dixon and and tony Cannon this morning texted connor last night uh charlie Kimball. we chat a lot yeah talk to a lot of drivers okay uh do you consider race car drivers to be entertainers I think all sportsmen in, in a certain vein are entertainers. Um, you know, obviously in the racing world, they really try and bring up the rivalries and, and the reason they do that is because it's entertaining to fans. Um, but, but sports is entertainment. So yeah, I think if you're a pro athlete in, in some degree, uh, you are an entertainer, James, what is your middle finger policy on the racetrack? In the heat of the moment, man, anything goes. That's—I <laughs> would be super hypocritical to sit here and say that it's inappropriate to use your middle finger on track. So, uh, is it—is that evolved over the years, or is
0: your—is your policy remained uh, consistent? I guess
1: I think it's been pretty consistent. I've—I've uh, I've probably, definitely, very unfortunately, uh, fallen into a pattern of maybe using it more than I used to, and I don't know why that is. It's probably not the best thing. Uh, And I did get, I got yelled at last year. I used it in a race and Max Pappas pulled me aside to scold me for it. And he was like, you know, fist is fine. Or like the Italian kind of whatever shape that is, is fine. Or like number one finger is fine. Just not that one. And then, you know, the next time I stuck my hand out of the cockpit, it was one finger, but it wasn't the one he wanted me to use. So so some
0: drivers keep a payback list in their minds uh, if somebody's done them wrong on the track. Do you also have a payback list if somebody's cut you a break or done you a favor on the track?
1: Definitely, yeah, I think so. Um, the, the The big thing is when you find yourself in a situation where, and, it, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it happens in racing, where your race hasn't gone well, your lap's down, um, taking care of the guys that are running for the race win and just running for positions, not trying to be the guy that's three laps down, racing you just as hard as if you were going for it, you know, that that goes a long way. And there are definitely, you know, some drivers that, have the experience to know that look this this does me no good it hurts you and ultimately makes you mad at me kind of thing um and some guys just don't get that so when someone does you know does you a favor and when they're in a position that's you know they can't really improve and they can help you out or at least not get in your way you definitely make a point to go to them after the race and be like thanks buddy i owe you one okay makes sense
0: who is the most famous person you've had dinner with lady gaga holy crap that's pretty
1: big what was that like It was, it was awesome. She, that was actually after the 500 last year, we went and had dinner with her at, uh, St. Elmo's here in Indy. And, uh, yeah, she's just a super cool girl was asking a lot of questions about racing, like was really interested and fascinated by the whole thing. She'd been in the two seated with Mario and done the whole deal. So yeah, very, uh, very cool, very cool dinner time chat. That's awesome. What is something about yourself you'd like to improve? Oh man. I mean, you can always improve as a driver. You know, there's, uh, this is one of those sports, and I think I think a lot of athletes would say the same thing. You never stop learning you know the, in such a competitive environment, there's always something you can do better, and there you know there are four or five different aspects of my game that i would I would spend and I do spend a lot of time on trying to improve and um I don't think that'll ever stop so for each interview, I ask a driver to give me a question for the next
0: one, and the last interview I did was with Jamie McMurray, and his question was, obviously Alonzo's come here and sucked up a lot of the attention so far. Uh, what do you make of all that, and how do you think he's done so far?
1: I mean, I certainly understand it. Um, the, the fact that we've got a guy that is you know, in the conversation for greatest living racing driver um, giving up their crown jewel event, and in his very unique set of circumstances, the best chance he has at a good result all year to come here, and do the Indy 500. He's not a guy that grew up in North America. He's not a guy that grew up dreaming to race an Indy car, but still the Indy 500 has that much allure and uh, is that important to, to racing drivers all over the world. Uh, So I certainly understand why there's a lot of attention around it. And uh, you know, we, we fully support him being here. It it benefits us as much as anything else. And, um, and so it's great in that sense. How's he doing annoyingly? Well, Uh, (laughs) you know this is a very very different thing to what he does on a on a weekly basis and unlike anything he's ever done and you know he's put himself in some situations in practice that would would frighten some more timid racing drivers but you can tell this guy's the real deal i mean he got in those situations and dealt with it got up to speed very quickly got comfortable very quickly in traffic which is the hardest part you know and uh he put himself on one of the best teams i think since the new car came out in 12 statistically the best team here at the speedway and um he put himself in a really good position to do very well on sunday so it'll be interesting to see and I'm not
0: exactly sure who the next interview is going to be with, but it will be, um, some NASCAR driver. Do you have a question
1: I might be able to ask them? All right. So that was a good question from Jamie. I like that. I liked that one. I was expecting more like, a, are you a boxers or briefs kind of guy or some goofy, you know, but as we're going a little bit deeper and insightful in that sense, um, talking about great racing drivers, you've got Jimmy Johnson who is going to try and break the record for a number of championships. Um, A, it's a two-part question A, do you think Jimmy will get well, do you think he'll get the record and B, how many do you think is it just one more Is it how many championships do you think Jimmy Johnson will retire with when he finally decides to hang up the helmet very
0: good question well thanks so much for taking the time to join us
1: my pleasure, thanks for having me on
0: so there you have it everybody and I uh, hope you enjoyed what he had to say on the 12 questions this week and thanks again to him for doing that So I'm currently in the Portland, Oregon airport and I'm getting ready to fly to Chicago where I'm then going to drive to Indy, drop my wife Sarah off and then drive to Dover for the Dover race this weekend. Um, Tomorrow on the podcast, I have Joseph Newgarden of Penske Racing talking about the social spotlight and all things social media. So that's another fun one and interesting one as well. Then, of course, I'll be at Dover. Um, I will drive back to, uh, Charlotte where I'm going to pack up and move, uh, start driving back out here to where I am right now, Portland, Oregon, uh, where we're relocating for Sarah's job. So I will be missing the next two races after Dover, but hoping to get a bunch of interviews, uh, this weekend at the track to, um, spread out over the next few weeks. So that's, what's up with me. Thanks again for listening. And, uh, as always appreciate you Um, Tuning in to the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. Talk to you later, everybody.